Well, happy Easter, everybody. Happy Resurrection Day. You are right back here in the auditorium of TLC. And uh, it's been an eventful morning already, and I'm sure, um, you know, we're making the best of the situation we'd all like to be doing, you know, or be at church physically, but we're still at church. You may be having a cup of coffee, uh, and you got your family gathered around, but you're still at church, and we're celebrating the resurrection of the Lord. So when we were in the cemetery, that uh, statue behind me, everything that we do, or every, really everything, whether people recognize it or not, hinges on that very event, on that very act of sacrifice, Jesus on the cross. And so, uh, you know, obviously he paid the price, it's paid in full. Matter of fact, he even said it's finished. And so once that's happened, there's nothing else we can do. He's done it all. And then they took him off the cross and the cross is empty. And so he's not on the cross anymore. And then they put him in a tomb and wasn't but three days later and the tomb is empty. So that's awesome. I mean, because he's risen and that is the reason we're celebrating Easter today. And so it is just one of those wonderful days. It's not just the, the greatest day, I guess, in a believer's life. It should be the greatest day just living with Christ. Thank God for what happened on Easter Sunday. But why would this event, why would this one thing be a concern to you and be a concern to me? Just because somebody says it, why? I mean, so it actually happened, so yes, but because it was actually done when Jesus did this, he had you and me on his mind. So he did this for me and he did it for you. So the title of this message is actually for me, but not meaning me, just as, as if we were saying this to ourselves. So you could say, you know, he did it for me, meaning you. So understanding that Christ loved you so much, that God so loved, and he loved all of us. So that's an amazing fact. So we're about to, uh, to just embark on this journey. So just stick with me, you know, and, and stay with us. Huddle around that TV or that computer. Don't go away. And so we're going to get right at it. So we live in a world that's pretty well self-absorbed, wouldn't you agree? I mean, everything is uh, about what's in it for me. Uh, when do I get my break? When is it my turn? Um, second place is first place loser. I don't know if you've ever heard that. If you're not a winner, then you're a loser. Uh, you know, if you have your cell phone, everybody's into selfies and you can take a selfie and there's selfies with these people and those people, wherever you're at and all of those things. Nothing wrong with taking a selfie, but I'm just saying there's a lot of, it's all about me, me, me. And the Bible has a much different approach. It's pretty amazing when we look at the Bible and we look at how it puts things, it begins and finishes things very different than the world system. It states that the first will be last. You know, the last will be first. It just switches everything. So it says serving is the way to the top, helping others, treating others like you want to be treated, believing the best of others, not assuming, being able to forgive, don't hold a grudge, not to seek revenge, be the answer instead of the problem, remain positive, don't be negative. There's so many things that are fighting against the way the Bible teaches. And so it's really important that we understand why Christ did what he did. But I'm here to tell you, and you'll hear it all and on throughout this message, he did it for me and he did it for you. So how could we live this way? How could we live kind of above and beyond what it seems like the whole world is going this way against the current, all of the things that, you know, how do we stand out? God, how do I make it? Is there anybody that lived this way? There was, and there is. And his name is Jesus. 
the one that was on the statue on the cross, that, that person, it is Jesus. That's good news. He modeled this lifestyle perfectly. Notice, you know, it wasn't just that it happened once and, and now he's gone, but he continually, he's alive and well today. That's why the tomb is empty, because they put him in and praise God, that couldn't hold him. So he is still alive. He's still the answer to any problem that you have. He's still around. He's still changing lives today. He still saves today. He can be trusted today. I remember talking just to people that just didn't know. I, I don't know who to trust. They've been hurt so many times, whether it's in church or just in the world in general. And then to find a savior that they could trust. Somebody that said, I did what I said I did. I will do what I say I'll do. I'm coming because I said I'm coming. And they change their life. They base everything off of that belief and receive. And the greatest miracle of all is just somebody saying yes to Jesus. What is trust? I, I had to look it up. So the dictionary defines it this way. Firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Firm belief in the reliability or truth or ability or strength of someone or something. Doesn't take long to understand. If you walk this earth long enough, somehow, sooner or later, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Somebody's going to let you down. Somebody's going to fall short of where, you know, you feel like, oh, I've, I just was counting on them so much. But this country has been through a lot. These great United States that we live in, we're going through something right now. We're all going through it together. Yes, but we will survive. God will make sure of it. You can count on God. I mean, think of what the country's been through. The, this country's been through world wars. It's been through Great Depression. It's been through 9-11. You know, these events, our lives were changed before that event happened and after that event happened. And even during those events, I mean, it's changed us forever. And again, back to the cross, back to that visit to the cemetery just to show what had happened as far as just Jesus on the cross. That single sacrifice, the best sacrifice, the biggest sacrifice changes everything. We still survive. This nation is still alive. It's still going to survive. There are still believers that pray 2 Chronicles 7, 14. They, they do that twice a day or even more that just humbling themselves and saying, heal our land. And God says that he'll do that. And we trust him and believe that he will. There are many of you that are just listening now. You're just saying, I just want to survive. Red, I mean, I don't, I just don't. I went to the, the grocery store the other day, toilet paper aisle, cleared out. Not a single thing on that aisle. And people are panicking. I mean, I pushed my cart down the, down the aisle and, and some gentleman had to, he just like, almost like he was on a cliff up against the other side because he didn't know if he could get six feet away from me or not. I mean, people are just afraid. They're looking for answers. This virus has been sent from hell, I do believe. And it's trying to get us off the answer, trying to get us into panic, trying to get us just to get our minds focused on something that's greater than God. But my friends, there's nothing greater than God. Trying to scare you into thinking there's a shortage of food or other essentials and almost get you into a hoard set mind. You know, I'm just going to get all this. I've got to get everything. Hoarding it and grabbing it and stowing it. And, and it's okay to be wise to get what you need when you need it. But yet... We're still hearing reports of people that are saying, listen, I got plenty of this. Do you need some? There is an answer. There is an answer to all of this. There's an antidote. There's, there is uh, something that will stop this. And I'm telling you, God is behind it. And it is God.
He is not behind the virus, but behind the cure. Come on, somebody. I've heard people say this. They're looking at people that have had the virus, and then they are now on the other side of that. They're wanting to look at their blood because they think something is in the blood that can stop and, and help this. That, that'd preach right there. I could stop right there and preach about that. But there's something that needs to be said about Jesus and that sacrifice, the blood that was poured out, not spilled accidentally, but poured out for you and I. Let's get back to lay some groundwork. And let's be a person who serves. <clears throat> this, this Jesus, this person that we're talking about, he did things differently than what we do now, than what the world does. He went about it in his own way, uh, in the way of God. He, he just said, we're going to, I'm going to serve. I've come to serve. And he came to destroy the works of the enemy. But he, he came to just heal people. There's so many accounts of Jesus giving examples of being others-minded, so to speak. Just, you know, being about his father's business, unselfish. We would be here forever. I mean, just trying to recite all of these in just three short years of his ministry. In that short period of time, this individual, this son of God turned the world upside down and then grabbed 12 guys and showed them before, you know, this event happened and they began to spread the good news, the gospel all over the world. Changed everything. He is the most important person in the history of the world. Isn't it interesting that at any major event, God is looked for for guidance. At any major catastrophe or anything, people are looking, something that they can't figure out or it's past their knowledge, we cry out to God for guidance and deliverance. Why? Because somewhere deep inside of you and deep inside of me is that knowledge that he did it for me. He did it for me. And he did it for you. It's kind of crazy. If anybody ever loses their temper or anything goes wrong, you don't hear them cussing anybody else's name. But it's always taking God's name in vain. I had to ask myself sometimes, I'm sure you've done it as well, why? Why would you do that? Because nobody else's name really means anything like the Lord's name. I mean, because his name means something. When, when his name is spoken, hell trembles. Things start to happen. I've seen it happen over and over again by just being a believer and being able to come in that power and the knowledge of the name of Jesus. I want to talk about viewpoint, if I could, this morning, just on this great Easter resurrection day. I want to talk about the view. Who sees what and what matters most? What are you looking at or what do you, what do you think? So here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at what God sees, what the enemy sees, and what you see. And we're going to just kind of put them in there. I'm not really as much going to separate them. You'll be able to separate what we're talking about. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father but through him. Some watching today, you might feel like, you know, I'm forced to watch church. There was no choice offered. Some might be saying, you know what, I'm glad to be able to watch now because there's a lot of things I wanted to to know or wanted to kind of experience, but I really wasn't comfortable going to a church. So it gives you an opportunity to be able to see, you know, church in, in your own living room. Because really the church is, this is just a building. This auditorium, we are very thankful for it. It's very awesome, but it's just a building. The real church is you. It is people. And that's why I can say he did it for me. He did it for you because you are the true riches. 
There's so many online today that are just celebrating this day with us. But just again, just saying, God, this is amazing. I've got questions or I'm afraid this brings me comfort. And what are we celebrating? We're celebrating that that one act that he did on the cross, followed by the resurrection. Because of his sacrifice, we can live free from sin. The Bible says he took it away. He died for your sins and mine. For me. For me and for you. Everything we do from here on out goes back to the cross. Everything is back to this. Timeline. If you notice, timeline is B.C., before Christ. A.D., after death. It's all based on this act of sacrifice. There's a story of a missionary and a... You know, and he's uh, riding a horse in the mountain country, and the road's very treacherous, very dangerous. And the horse just stopped. It refused to go any further, and he got off. And when he took a look, there was a huge snake curled up, sunning itself on the road. Its head was hidden underneath a small rock for shade. And he was scared. I mean, let's be honest. I don't like snakes. Bats, rats, and snakes, not a fan. So this man is scared, and he's like, I don't know. There's not enough room for me to go beside it with the horse. Plus, snakes scare horses. Not only is the man scared, obviously the horse would be skittish, and he can't afford to fall off the horse because he's on a mountain, you know, top. The road is dangerous. So after about 15 minutes, he devised a plan. He got off. He thought, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And he got up his nerve, and he would take the biggest rock he could find, and he would throw it down on the rock where the snake's head was underneath you know, shading and sunning and all of that stuff. And, and hopefully he would kill the snake. He was scared, though, because if the snake didn't die, it could come out. It could be mad. It could attack him, scare the horse. I mean, you know, you could just imagine all of what can happen. But even though he was afraid, he decided, I can't go back. He had to go forward because he had a job to do. He was on a mission. He is a missionary. And so he decided and he picked up the rock and he threw it with all his might down on that little rock that was over top of the snake's head. And the snake didn't even move, didn't even twitch. He walked up, got a little closer and realized the snake was already dead. Somebody passing that way before him had crushed the snake's head and left it lying there in the road. So PB, what's the moral of this story? Somebody's already gone before you, my friend. He's already gone and crushed the head of the enemy and cleared the way for you to travel. This one event, Jesus on the cross, he did it for me and he did it for you. You don't have to be afraid. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth. He went about healing, teaching, forgiving, showing love. And the leaders didn't like it. They were threatened, jealous, critical. They found him guilty. Even when he wasn't, they had him beaten put a crown of thorns on his head, forced him to carry his own cross to be crucified. The soldiers mocked him. They spit on him, tore pieces of his beard out, beat him with rods in their fists, nailed spikes into his hand and in his feet, shoved a, a spear into his side. But the Bible says he has all power. He has all power. All power is given to him. I looked up again. I said it a couple weeks ago. Look up the word all. It means all. Nails couldn't keep him on the cross. He could have called angels to come down and get him off, and he didn't. You know what kept him there? Love kept him there for me and for you. Love kept him there. He had to stay in order to make a way for you and for me. There was only one way, and he had to pay that price. I need you, if you're wherever you are, I want you to turn to your family member and say, he did it for me.
He did it for me. As he hung there, the earth he spoke into existence got nervous and began to shake. It sensed something was wrong. The sun he created turned its back and refused to look and all became dark. And when the soldiers saw this very earth reacting, they said to one another, surely this man was the son of God. When Jesus breathes his last breath on earth, the wall in the temple, or the veil in the temple, excuse me, was torn from top to bottom. Behind the veil was the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that's where God dwelled. And nobody could ever go there except the priest, and he could only go there once a year. When the veil was ripped in two, let me just say this, it wasn't to let God out, it was to let you in. Now the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. You don't need to have anybody go to God for you. And, and that's the whole part of this, this whole personal for me and for you and for you and for me. You can't do it with somebody else. You have to make this choice. This isn't about religion. This is about a relationship. Brett, you don't even know all the mistakes I've made. So again, now I'm talking not just from God's viewpoint. The enemy doesn't want you to make this choice because we've already said the only way to the Father is through Christ. But you Brett, I've, I've messed up, man. I did this, I did that, and the list is long. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made or even how how you went about it or, or when they, you know, if they were before or maybe even this morning. What you've done in your past. The Bible says he took your sins. He paid the price for everything you did wrong for me. And I don't know where that leaves you today, but I know where it leaves me. I didn't deserve it. I've messed up too many times, but he said for me, I'll, I'll do that. Every mistake I've ever made, every mistake you've ever made, he paid the price for that. The veil is open. He's waiting to hear from you. He's waiting to hear from me. He's waiting for the people that he created to come to him and say, I love you. Nobody knows you better than Jesus. Nobody knows you better than God. When you come into a relationship with him, your life will be more fulfilling. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Turn to your, your, uh, your family member. You, you don't have to be six feet from them. Give them a high five and, and say, All power has been given to me. So you have over all power of the enemy, over the enemy. So you have all power. Christ has given that. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing, no COVID-19, no virus, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Brett, life, life is tough. Yes. I mean, it kind of sounds like an Allstate commercial. You're in good hands with Allstate. Life is hard. But you've got you to gotta have something that's bigger than life, and that's Christ Jesus. So many times when life gets hard, we make choices. We make decisions under pressured situations. We make, you know, just because of all of that that's happening, we, we just make a quick decision. You know, you might be sitting here this morning and you're sitting there watching me and you're saying, I don't even know how to make the choices I need to make. I know I want to make them. 
but I don't know how. I'm afraid. What if it doesn't take? And there are all those what ifs. That's the enemy's viewpoint. He's going to try to get you to be convinced it's not working. But I'm telling you, he wouldn't have to try to convince you that if it wasn't working. Paul said, the thing, I love this, listen to this. The thing that I want to do, I don't do. And the thing that I don't want to do, I do. Romans 7, 19. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. How many can say, oh, that's my scripture verse. Okay. But Jesus died for that, for me, for you. Our mind says one thing, our actions say another. Let's talk for just a second about love. Remember Lazarus, friend of Jesus? How did Mary and Martha convince Jesus to come? Lazarus was sick, Jesus was away. They sent for him, and if you remember, it was four days later. But Jesus got a message, and the message could have been like this. I mean, if you were sending him a message, knowing who he was, and Mary and Martha knew who he was, and you're sending him a message, what would the message say to convince him to come? Lazarus was really good, Jesus. You got to admit that. How about, look what Lazarus has done, you know, what he's accomplished for God. Look what a good man he is. He didn't deserve to die. And they began to say those kind of things. Could they, wasn't that what you would do? That's not what they did, but that seems reasonable. They would say, how much Lazarus loved you, Jesus. They didn't move the Lord that way. They didn't try that angle. Not on their brother's love for him. But you know how they got this? They got this accomplished. Not on their brother's love for Jesus. But Jesus' love for their brother. That's what moved him. I want to say it one more time. It wasn't Lazarus' love for Jesus. They got Jesus because of Jesus' love for their brother. John, one of the disciples, figured this out, and he quoted it at least five times, saying, I'm the one that Jesus loved. So he identified himself through the love of Jesus. And you see, if you could grab what I'm trying to tell you right now, this principle will change your life. So again, you need to make this personal. So you need to be saying, Jesus' love for me. Now, it looks like I'm just talking about me, but I'm talking about you. Make that personal. What Jesus, how he loves you and how he loves me. So does the Bible focus on what? Let's just look at it. Does it focus on man loving God or God loving man? Many of us would say almost right away, it's about man loving God. It's man sinning and turning to God. We believe it so much. We pray it and we act it out. That is a true statement, but it's not the whole story. And it's really not the base. The base is God so loved the world. It's more about God loving us. That's why Jesus went to this cross. That's why he carried our sins. That's why his blood was poured out. It is about God so loved. It's not as much about us. It's about how God loved us. 66 books, over 40 authors, they all say it's about God's love for the world. And after all, the Bible does say God is what? Love. And perfect love casts out all fear. So some of you, look at the, your, your screen right now. I'm just looking right into the camera. You're afraid, and I get it. 
You don't have to be. I mean, I'm not saying you don't have to be superhuman, but I'm saying that this person, this Jesus, the love that he has for you can cast out the fear that you feel right now. It's how much God loves you. Your love is measurable. His is not. You can't put a measure on it. You can't fathom it. Not height, nor depth, nor width. I mean, it's just, un, it's unmeasurable. So we have to make a choice, yes, on whether we receive God's word and his truth and his love because faith without works is dead. It's going to take us to believe and to act on that belief. Choose this day whom you will serve. That's what Joshua says. Then you might be saying, Brett, I'm telling you, this, this, this sounds too good to be true. This isn't a lie. This is the truth. There is a love greater than you could ever measure. Forgiving you for whatever you've ever done or what you will ever do. Because of this one act, this pivotal sacrifice. The message Mary and Martha sent was all about love. It's something when pressure's put on, isn't it? I mean, when pressure's put on, you can find out really what's making you tick in the heat of the moment. You can see what you need work on. You can see what you still need. Oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta do some more forgiving for that, or I got to get that under the blood. I got to say that in this whole COVID virus thing, it has brought everybody to an even playing field. I mean, because everything has been stripped away. I mean, you can't shop like you did before. You can't go out like you did before. We can't come to church like we did before. There's so many things we can't do like we've done before. So it, it kind of makes those that seemed like they were here and those that were here, we're kind of all doing this together. We're all on the same field. So let me ask you this. My friends, what do you speak when the pressure's on? What do you say when the pressure is on? What are you declaring about your situation? Some of you are just saying, I need help. And there are people that I know and I love them. And I know God loves them. And anytime there's a major crisis or something like this or a crisis in their health or their life, then they call, Brett, will you come? Or, or God, I need you now. And once God comes, and he always does, he's, he loves you. And they get the answer they need. They quickly go back to just kind of forgetting him only when they need him. He's just an emergency type God. I don't want you to be that way. I want you to be able to just have him with you all the time. Feel that love surrounding you all the time. And you'll be amazed at the favor that you have and the, your life and the stress that will be broken. So what are you declaring? There are going to be people that will reach out to God right now because they're afraid. And as soon as this passes, and it will pass. They'll go back to just how things were before. But I could say this. Hebrews says that God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. It says he loves us the same. Do you know there's nothing you can do to make him love you more? Even while you are, you know, while they crucified him, while he's still forgiving them and loving the people that did that. That's crazy, man. That's hard for me to fathom. But yet, he did it for me and he did it for you. But he never changes. He stays the same. You can't erase him. You can't change him. You can't diminish him. You can't devalue him. You can't tarnish him. You can't null and void him. God is God. 
I mean, you could choose not to serve him. You could choose not to do any of what I'm saying. And that is your choice. You have the will to do that, the free will to do that. But it doesn't change his position. He still loves you. Even if you reject him, he still loves you. They rejected him. He still loves them. First people Jesus forgave are the ones that killed him. Think about his view from up there. He takes care of his mother, tells John, take care of my mom. It's amazing what love will do. Can you see yourself the way John seed saw himself with God? His favorite? Now just, I mean, that's John's viewpoint. Jesus did have three, you know, Peter, James, and John that he stuck close to. But I mean, are you, can you, like, Lord, I want to, I want to love you the way you love me if I can. Honestly, there's nobody can love like God. But yet, could you see yourself favored of God? I think your viewpoint will change as you walk with him. The message is clear in scripture. The gospel is about God loving man, whether we love him back or not. You can't be forced to love. You know, I've been married going to be uh, pretty soon 35 years. And I'm amazed at the, the woman I married. She's amazing. She's gorgeous. She's extremely talented. She's uh, a godly woman. And the thing, Colossians 2.10 says, we are complete in him. In other words, in God. And so she, she doesn't complete me in that way because God completes me. But the beauty is he has put her there to walk beside me and me to walk beside her. So we help each other. We walk this out together. So we choose to do that. You must choose you know, by not choosing Jesus, you kind of choose. And you might say, well, that stinks. Stinks or not, there is only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. You know, the Bible says, and I said it earlier in this message, not height, depth, width, nothing can separate you from the love of God. He loved us first, he loved us best, and he'll love us forever. Let me just tell you this, if you're on a, you know, if you've ever been on an airplane or you've seen a movie and, and the airplane gets in turbulence or there's any trouble, you know, and they tell you if the oxygen mask comes down and flings in front of your face, nobody wants to see that happen, obviously. <clears throat> but if you're on that plane and you have your kids or your family with you, your first inclination will be to take the mask and put it on your children. And they tell you don't put it on yourself. And that seems almost crazy. It seems like, well, why would I do that? Because the reasoning is, if you lose consciousness, you won't be there to help your children. So you're going to have to get yourself some air and then help your kids. Now he's like, Brett, what does that even mean? God put everything on his son. He did it first so he could take care of what's needed for you, his kids. Do you see it? For God so loved. For me and for you. You know, we already live. We said in the beginning, we're in a world that says, I'm looking out for number one. 
We've been talking about different viewpoints, God's viewpoint, the enemy's viewpoint. The enemy doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to prosper. He's going to tell you lies. He's going to be he's talking to people now saying nothing that he's telling you is true. And I'm just saying if it wasn't true, he wouldn't be messing with you. And the viewpoint of you, so much of your receiving is on your viewpoint. Forget what the enemy's saying. What do you say? You already know what God says. The hinge on this door is set. It is finished. Jesus said, it's finished. In other words, he's not going back to the cross again. This sacrifice was enough. It paid for everything. The price has been paid. The battle's already been fought and won. So the question is up to you. The choice. The hinge. It's Easter, man. It's resurrection. I mean, wouldn't it make sense... Let's, let's, if you've never tried Christ, let's just go in and say, God, I'm going to give you everything. Now, I can't decide for you. You have to decide for yourself. It's an individual choice, an individual decision. You have to make it personal. That's why I said, for me, for you. Now, you know, I don't know how many times I've preached in my lifetime, but I still can't stand in the gap for my, I mean, I can stand in prayer in the gap for my kids, but this choice each of my children have had to make themselves. Listen to this, and you can say this to yourself. He went to the cross for me. He was beaten and bruised for me. All of his life was given for me. He died for me. He's done his part. Now it's up to us to receive and accept that. Let me just close this message by just saying on this Easter I mean it's it's unprecedented this I mean come on an Easter while we're everybody in the world is doing if they're in church they're doing it online it's your time to make a change it's your time to make a choice of, of any other time you're not in an auditorium full of people you're in your home the most comfortable place in the world for you to be and Jesus has set this up for you I'm going to ask you just to do something and I want you to do it in the comfort of your own home with no, no pressure. I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to say this prayer with me. And if you believe this prayer, again, this choice, you believe this and you act on it by your faith. Yes, I believe it. I receive it. Did you know re reception is an action? So you receive this because you believe it. This will be the best Easter. You'll remember, hey, that Easter of 2020, that's the year I gave my heart to the Lord. That's when everything started to change. That's when the door started hinging and actually I started going the right way. That's when things happened. That's when my life got back on track. That's when things really started to get right. That's when all of a sudden depression left me. That's when, because he did it for me and he did it for you. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, with every person that's watching this Easter message, if they've never received Christ as their Savior or they want to make a recommitment, but Father, in the name of Jesus, let them say this with me right now. Dear Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, this moment, I receive you. That is the act of my faith. I believe you. That is the act of my faith. I am different. 
Your word says I am different. No matter what my feelings say, the fact, the truth of the word outweighs that feeling. I am different. And from this day forward, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, if you said that prayer, we believe you were born again. You got yourself right with God. It's going to be a great uh, rest of the year. We're, we are going to get out of this. And if you don't have a church home, I want to encourage you to come to True Life Church, 374 North Main. We are so glad to have you. Once these doors are open, it's going to be celebration here, man. I mean, telling you, I, I think the roof's going to be shaking off this place, baby. It's going to be great. We look forward to having you come and visit us. If not, keep watching us online. We're going to keep pouring stuff into you in a good way. Always the Word of God. You can win. God sees you as a winner. We believe that, too. We have an announcer coming to give you some announcements on giving. You know, with everything being the way it is, you know, it, it's faith that we're, we're doing what we're doing. And so we want you just to ask God, let me be faithful. They'll show you how you can do that. We love you so much. We're looking forward to meeting you in person. I know Kim and I want to shake your hand. And I want to see how much uh, difference in your life has changed since Jesus has come in. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week.